Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear loved ones, twice in the last two months I've been somewhere that I would have rather not been. And I can't say that I really enjoyed the experience because there was a cold, dark chill in the air, even though the temperature was not overly cold. And the experience, it, it weighed really, really heavily on me. And it wasn't just the weight of my step-grandmother's mortal remains being lifted into a hearse. The experience weighed very, very heavy also on my heart. In the past two months, I have seen my grandfather and his wife both be buried. And there's something about death that is very, very unsettling to me. Don't get me wrong, I, I know by faith what we confess in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, but there is a part of me where there is just a small sliver of doubt that questions that if I'm being totally honest. And I am right now. A man from the Bible named Job once asked the question, if someone dies, will they live again? And I can see that question popping into my mind when I visit the wall crypt where my grandfather and my step-grandmother are buried. Because every time I go there, I'm pretty sure that they will still be dead. That small voice within us that tells us the resurrection can't be so, that, that really needs to be silenced. Because that is the shining jewel of the Christian faith, the resurrection of the dead, the hope of everlasting life. And silencing that skeptic within us that says it cannot be so, that is what Jesus is doing for us today. He assures us that our God, our Savior, He is not the God of the dead, He is the God of the living. And Jesus renews our hope by giving us a glimpse a very small glimpse of life in the resurrection. And he also does prove that the resurrection exists. This happened on Tuesday of Holy Week. It was two days before Jesus would be arrested and put on trial and put to death. And there on that Tuesday of Holy Week, he was in the temple courts teaching and preaching as he always did when he went to Jerusalem. 
And some of the religious leaders of the time, some of the government officials, wanted him silenced. And so there on that Tuesday of Holy Week, each of them took their shot at it. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the loyalists to King Herod, the Herodians, and finally the last group, the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the most skeptical group out of all three of them. They asked more questions about what the other groups typically believed and did not believe those things. When it came to the Bible, they only accepted the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the books of Moses, as they were called. They were rationalists. Whatever did not add up to their human reason, well, that could not be true. There is no room for miracles in the beliefs of a Sadducee. And they were also materialists. It's not that they liked their luxury items and their things. When we say they were materialists, they didn't believe that anything existed beyond what a person could see or touch. And because the resurrection of the dead is not something that people had seen or observed, or nor was it something that could be proven every single time. They did not believe in that. And so these skeptical Sadducees are hoping to silence Jesus. They know that Jesus teaches this blessed resurrection from the dead. And they take their shot at him. They come up and they say, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. They have this right. This is from the book of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 25. Back then, the lines and property and inheritance were sacred. These were God-given. They knew that the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world, was going to come through somebody's line. They did not want it to end, so what God said is if a man dies childless, then his brother is obligated to marry his widow. And if they have children, that child receives the inheritance. So they play on Scripture and they begin to set the trap. They say, now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. Then the second and then the third married her. And guess what? In the same way, all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. And you can almost picture them holding back their snide grins and their snickers and thinking to themselves, we got them here. And they say, now then, at the resurrection, whose wife 
will she be since the seven were married to her? How are you going to answer this one, Jesus? One bride for seven brothers, whose bride will she be? And they're pretty sure that they have just torn apart Jesus' credibility. No matter what he says, he can't wiggle out of this one and give an authoritative answer. They almost had Jesus silenced, or so they thought. But it is Jesus who silences them. He tells them the people of this age here on earth marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. Please don't misunderstand here. We might think to ourselves, what? There is going to be no family life in heaven? One of the most enjoyable parts of my life was getting married and having children or growing up in a household. And Jesus, you're telling me it's not going to be that way? We talk about this blessed reunion in heaven? Don't get this wrong. We will still know people in heaven. We will know their names. We will recognize them. On the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus' glory was revealed, the apostles knew that it was Moses and Elijah standing by Jesus, and they weren't even in heaven yet. What Jesus is doing is not just proving the premise of these skeptical Sadducees question false, he is also speaking to a misunderstanding perpetuated by another group, the Pharisees. The Pharisees taught that life in heaven would be a perfect mirror image of life on this earth. It would be a, a carbon copy of life on this earth, and you spent life on earth trying to prove that you were worthy to carry it on in heaven. But Jesus, he doesn't take either side. The Sadducees who claimed there was no resurrection, the Pharisees who thought life in heaven was just like life on this earth, Jesus shoots right down to the middle with the biblical truth. What it will be like in heaven is nothing like it will be like on this earth. On this earth, one of the blessings of having a family, one of the blessings even of having close friends is that when we suffer hardship and sickness and death, we have somebody's shoulder to cry on and to commiserate with and to share our grief with. But in heaven, that is no longer needed. Because in heaven there will be no more mourning or pain or sorrow or suffering. Because in heaven those things do not exist. We will live forever in perfect bliss. And we also will have family. 
a family that goes beyond our siblings and our parents and our grandparents and our cousins and our distant relatives. We have an everlasting family that was brought to faith and adopted through water and the Word in baptism. Some of that family is here among us today, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and the entire family of God will be revealed at the resurrection. And so will there be family life in heaven? It will be nothing but family life for all time. And so in this way, Jesus gives us a glimpse of the glorious resurrection, but he has not yet proven that it does exist. And so he shifts gears in the conversation that he's having with the skeptical Sadducees. He says, okay, you don't believe that the resurrection exists. How about this? In the account of the burning bush, Even Moses, the one whose books you claim only to be true, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. So deep does Jesus' love run for these Sadducees that he meets them where they are at. He could have quoted dozens of other passages from the entire Old Testament that show the resurrection is a reality, that show the Old Testament Scriptures painted so beautifully, but he goes with what they can relate to. Even Moses knew that there was a resurrection of the dead. Because Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, their mortal remains had been in a state of decay for 500 years. But yet, he calls them living. Because the Lord is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To him all are alive. And in fact, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were more alive than Moses was there standing at Mount Horeb before the burning bush. And so with the Word of God that they knew, Jesus proved so simply that the resurrection does exist. The skeptical Sadducee within us that causes us doubt, that speaks when we do not want it to, that brings us back into despair even when we are doing well, when we are comforted, when we find joy in the resurrection at the death of a loved one. That skeptical Sadducee is silenced within us as well. And as you grieve the loss of a loved one, as you maybe even fear your own death, listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the truth. Stay connected to the Bible. Stay in the Word. Because it is through the words of Jesus that our doubts are silenced. He tells us, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
You and I were born again and brought to life when we came to faith in Jesus, and that is a life that never ends. Even though we may fall asleep here on this earth, we will live in heaven because Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. And he assures us of where we are going to. He says, I will come back from heaven. I will come back and take you to be with me. When our loved ones pass away, when you and I pass away, our bodies may be laid to rest in the ground or our ashes may be sprinkled or placed up on a mantle or somewhere in our house but our soul immediately dwells with God in heaven. And when Jesus returns at the final trumpet call with a multitude of angels, he will raise our remains to reunite with body and soul, and so we will experience the full glory of the resurrection. This resurrection does exist, brothers and sisters. And on this saints triumphant, we celebrate the full, wonderful reality of this. As we remember our loved ones who are not lost, but are now in their heavenly kingdom and their heavenly home. Our God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Amen.